All right, welcome to the AMM Podcast. I'm Andrew Michael Metter, and today my guest is Josh Huey. Josh, what are the plights of an independent artist? So, <laughs> I was actually, uh, my friend Sam Moses, who is my mastering engineer from Nashville, uh, he actually posed a question on his Instagram recently, and uh, it was just posting about topics for IGTV, and uh, he was like, oh, what are some good topics? And so I was kind of honing in on the whole independent artist, artist on a budget, pretty much anyone without the support of like a major record label with a lot of funding to just pour in. And it doesn't really matter what works. It's just kind of like, we'll just dump a bunch of money on it and something will stick. Um, and it's, it's the thing that I think is the single most important issue for an independent artist. And that is... Uh, balancing the scales with quality and budget because you like anything in life you can spend a lot of money but there are places where you can make better choices on cuts than others you know what I'm saying so for example you know production like vocal production I think is super important um, so if anything, if I were to create like a hierarchy of things that I uh, categorize as more important to least important, that's still hard. <laughs> that's still hard to do. But it, it's pretty much when you're an independent artist, you are responsible for your marketing, for your production, and whether or not you outsource those things, I mean, it's still, <laughs> it's still an issue of either time or money. So, I mean, for me, I have kind of figured out, <clears throat> and you'll get a kick out of this, uh, you can probably tell where my uh, not prioritizing has gone. Uh, it, <laughs> a hint, it's my artwork. <laughs> so, it's like, I get, like, <laughs> I'll produce a song, and I'll, you know, I've got uh, a guy out in California that does my vocal production. He's awesome. Um I've got Sam Moses who masters my songs. And when it gets down to, oh, we need some artwork for the release, I'm just kind of like, eh. So just for context, my man scribbled Crayola <laughs> on a white background and then put the title of the song as his latest release. <laughs> and it was super popular. It was my most popular art by far. <laughs> so what I learned from that is you can do anything as long as you do it ironically. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but he yeah. also got dragged on Submit Hub for some unsavory artwork <laughs> on his last release as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been an experiment. Um, but I'm just, I don't have the skills to do very much, really. So I was like, I try to outsource it. And by the time that I'm, you know, X amount of dollars into a release, and it's like, yeah, sure, I'll do your artwork for $250. I'm like, yeah, this one gets Crayola. <laughs> yep. So it's like that's an example of how I have to choose between budget and uh, and quality. And so that has it, – it's my belief, though, that what's happening sonically is more important than, what, than what's happening visually. Uh, could be wrong. Uh, I think they're both really important, but I think that if I've got X amount of dollars for a release that I've budgeted, 
and I'm out of money by the time I get make I get done making sure that everything's sonically where I want it. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, artwork loses again. <laughs> I feel like people are more forgiving of low quality or even bad artwork because like you said it can be used ironically <laughs> in a sense of like the artists I don't care. I have this attitude that's kind of flagrant towards those things. It's just about the music. Yeah. Yeah, um and I just, you know, like there are people I know that like they mix their own vocals and they they're able they have the skill set. Like Brad Jones is a guy. He has a skill set. He just, you know, makes his own artwork and does this and does that and it's just the dude's a machine. Um it's like, you know, but for me, I don't have that skill set. So mm-hmm. I'm just in a position of, well, I'm no good at art. I'm not really good at mixing vocals. And uh, I'm just, you know, I certainly can't master. So it's pretty much like, okay, well, I'll just write songs. And that's my contribution. <laughs> so, but in general, what I've seen is the main uh, the main problem that I see uh, indie artist is is just um, it's money. I mean, it's just plain and simple. It's money because you can have all the talent in the world. You can be able to write killer songs. You can have you know all the willpower to get out there and do it. But it's like if you are if there's a barrier between you how it is in your mind and how you want to like portray your vision to the world like you're not going to want to do it recording it on your iPhone and, and doing crappy garage band loops and samples and things like <clears throat> you're going to want to see that to uh you know the highest version of itself and mm-hmm. i know a lot of artists that it's like i'd rather not put anything out than um then put something out that I'm not proud of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I've been over here laughing because of the noises she's making in the background. She comes in and she just wants goes immediately to try to eat the the bamboo palm. Yeah. So, so I can't let her in here anymore. This podcast actually has two guests. <laughs> so if, if <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the crazy thing is, um, you know, there are so many people that are so talented, and there are people that have big platforms that are not as talented as these people, and the difference is that for some reason, somebody with money or clout or, you know, any variation of... The inf- connections, e- right. relationships. It, it's kind of a... Because the it is we have suffered from an oversaturation problem, ever since smartphones became a thing, because any idiot with an iPhone four can now clog up SoundCloud, and now it, the the distribution channels are open now to where anyone can put any garbage on Spotify, and uh, how many? I mean, do you know how many songs? On Spotify, like a week, it's some crazy number. I want to say it's, I want to say it's something like ten thousand songs a day, but I'm not sure. But it's some outrageous, ridiculous number like that. Yes, it's it's absolutely insane. And 
the problem with that is when there is so much happening, it, it creates so much noise in a certain space. And it, it's what encourages all this craziness on the internet. It's 60,000. A day? 60,000 tracks uploaded to Spotify every day. Oh. That's, <laughs> that's nearly one per second. Uh, that's crazy. It's like there's there's no way there's enough curators in Spotify <laughs> to to yeah. I mean you got to know that they they're kind of like the HR person uh, at the company just like they, they probably get look for the telltale signs of like oh garbage garbage don't even need to hear it garbage, and so because when you have that much volume there's got to be so much that just gets. It never gets heard. And you do wonder if there's that volume. They've got to have certain superficial markers, like what's the length of the song? What does the artwork look like? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. You know, in some regard, there's got to be some sort of system because there's, like you said, same with YouTube. Like, you could never watch in a lifetime the hours and hours of videos that are on YouTube. Holy cow, dude. They've got literally just... They've, I've seen videos where it's like 10 hours of Patrick saying Lita Lee. And it's like, oh my gosh. That's nuts. But like, you know, I, I watched it for a couple minutes. But no, I'm just kidding. I did not, did not do that. <laughs> so there's the volume of music. But then there's also the suite of marketing tools that are now consumer grade. Like Photoshop the Adobe suite now like it's legitimately possible for the independent artists to do everything themselves. If they have the investment, if they have the time, even like what I call the economic mobility, which is being able to like, (laughs) she really wants to get in here. The ability to provide for yourself and do those things. Right. You know, Mas- Maslow's hi- hierarchy of needs, if those things are met, yeah, it's like, then got, you could really challenge yourself to right. grow and expand your skill set. You, uh, you got food and shelter down, and you're like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's take care of something a little higher up the pyramid, um, which, which is an interesting thing because once you get to that point, which, you know, I feel like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like both you and I are, are kind of in a similar situation in that regard of, of, of having the choice now of like, okay, um, we're at this point in our musical careers, let's call it. Now, how do we best invest in either ourselves, mm-hmm. other people, equipment, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really hard um, to kind of pace yourself in, in some regards for me uh, because it's like, you know, you, it, my problem has always been, I always get, uh, equipment that is way more than I need. I'm like, well, mm. what if I do learn how to be an excellent audio engineer though? I'll need this. But it's like, that's not going to happen. I'm going to use this to record and then I'm going to export it and email it to somebody more skilled. Mm-hmm. Is what has happened, and it's like you don't need uh, like a um, a supercomputer to do that, but it's just like it, it goes back to the quality over budget thing. I think that in that regard, it's wisdom to get what you need and don't 
you know, don't sink a thousand dollars more into a computer that you're going to ultimately just use to email files to people with that equipment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the big thing that I've seen is when you talk about independent artists, <clears throat> not only do you have to talk about just the act of writing, the, the actual actions of writing, producing, releasing music, marketing. I mean, you know just as well as I do, marketing is just, it's a dystopian wasteland. It, it is, if I told you how much money I have spent marketing my songs, you'd probably be like, oh, I've spent that much too. I mean, honestly, like, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's an, it, 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 it's a, it makes me sad when I think about how much money I've And there's not this guide that just says, this is good, this is bad. There's an element of just, you're not going to know until you do it. And I have tried, you know, an assortment of different things, but... You know, it, it's so much pay to play is is the name. So much. I really feel like people don't understand that is the name of the game. Like, if you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed thinking, oh, if I just write a good song, <laughs> then they'll know, then they'll listen. Yeah. No, that is... That has not been my experience. That has not been the communal experience of many people that I've talked to. Right. Yeah, um, it's very much, and this goes back to the volume problem. Uh, 60,000 songs a day, nobody gives a crap about you. Nobody gives a crap about your song. No. And nobody is going to listen and say, you know, I I really like how he added that little flair right there. Nobody gives a crap. But um, that's the kind of the name of the game of an independent artist is how do we make people give a crap about what we're doing? Because it, it's, it always is like, for me, it's, it comes back to motivation of like, if you don't know why you're doing this, you won't be doing it very long. Because you'll get tired of spending money, you'll get tired of long nights trying to get that vocal just right, or you're going to be like, why am I doing this? And if you don't have a core motivation that's really pushing and driving you through the difficult times... You're going to be like, yeah, forget this. This sucks. Like, nobody even cares anyway. And so... Dude, I want to speak to that for a second because I feel like, for me, one reason I want to talk about this was just to vent and allow other artists, if they listen to it, be like, yeah, that's so true. Like, I'm not alone. And it's the game of, especially marketing through social media. Mm. Which is where, you know, you make posts, you post stories. People just are flipping through stories with the sound off. Yeah. <laughs> They're just mindlessly doing it. And then with posts, generally what's happening if someone likes your post, they like it because of their connection and association with you. Yeah. So they have a positive release of chemicals in their brain that they associate with you, yeah. which is mostly oxytocin. But they don't read the caption. They don't click sound on because most of the time they're doing it in a business meeting or at school or some other place. And they're just trying to occupy their time because they don't want to be present where they are currently. And so you're marketing, you're advertising, you're paying for ads on these platforms, but it's not turning into any conversion of fans. It's not doing anything and it's maddening. Yeah, um, it's really... Uh, you you kind of look for telltale signs because 
ultimately what you're after as an artist is you're after people to care. And it's like how many followers you have does not matter. How many, you know, it just, what matters is are you affecting people in a positive way into which they're going to remember you and want to seek you out in the future? Um, because there are people that literally think if I get my follower number up to this amount, 10,000, then I'll be, but I see people all the time. They've got 18,000 followers and I immediately, I click on their post, 200 views on a video, 18 likes. I'm like, Oh, this person's fake. They either don't have, they either bought all their followers and they're just trying, cause it's so cheap to, to get fought. Like, (laughs) It's so cheap, but it what what it does is it actually hurts you in the long run because I'm an idiot and I can sniff it out. It's like, what do you think all these labels and and uh, these people that actually do this like professionally? I mean, you're literally not fooling anybody. It's like <laughs> I very much when I was still early on in the game, I I became a part of a group on Facebook. It was like we're all a bunch of artists, man, and, and we just join this Facebook group, and then we go and we follow each other on Instagram, man, community building. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, this is awesome. And so you go, and you somebody makes a post, you're like, drop your handle. And it's like, you know, you get 50 followers or something. And what you find out very quickly is everybody is so self-obsessed, they're not interested. They're just interested in getting that, that follower, they're never going to look at you again. They're never going to engage. They're never going to unfollow you in a couple days. Yes. Yeah. But I've had a few that still hang on because they're like, well, if I unfollow him, he'll, he'll unfollow me. And, and then it's, but it's like it, <laughs> literally from a, from a business perspective though, it's worthless. They don't care about you. They're never going to care about you because you know, it's like, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. But it's it's finding those pathways to get to the people that will care about you. And uh, I was actually talking with Brad about this the other night. It's just like knowing who you are is the first step. Who are you? What? Why are you doing what you're doing? And I told him, I was like, I honestly don't know. Like, I know what I want, but I don't know who I am. That's really hard to be honest with yourself in that way because that's such a foundational thing that you would think if you didn't know, you'd at least lie about it. But it's like, you know, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't know that if somebody approached me with a record deal and said, you're going to, you're going to, you know, I want you to lean into this part of your sound that I wouldn't be like, okay, (laughs) sounds good. Because it's kind of like, there's always the balance between oh what I stand for as an artist and well if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it who cares like did it ever actually fall and it's like uh, or does it make a sound I guess is the old adage but it's like if you're being 100% your true artist self to your 15 monthly listeners I mean if you're happy with that by all means but I know myself and it's like why am I doing this like um, <clears throat> I'm actually writing a, working on a song right now where um, I just kind of talk about that. It's like you're just you're pouring your heart out in these songs and you're sharing these deep parts of yourself. 
and nobody cares. Or it's like, if they did care, they don't even get the opportunity to care because they never hear it. So I don't know. I don't know what the secret formula is. I, I, I think... I think that the secret formula is persistence. And I think also part of it for independent artists is <clears throat> it, it's the delicate tension that you hold between staying true to what, who you are and what you, what you like to do, but at the same time uh, taking criticism from other people. Um, because if your mix sounds muddy or it sucks in some other way, it's like, you don't want to just spend your whole career with like never getting better in that. You don't want to mm -hmm. be so prideful that you're like, no, it's not. You're an idiot. You don't know. You my mix is fine, and the, but then you never, <laughs> you never get past that. <laughs> my mix is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like I've had a lot of people like just flat out tell me that something I did sucked. You know you're lonely because you suck. <laughs> but like. And there are times where I'm like, okay, this guy's obviously just a troll. Or sometimes it's like, you know, I can actually, if I take myself out of my own head, I can hear that. And I can see that that's something I need to improve. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I think something that you said is exactly right. And the key to success is, like, did you say longevity or persistence? Persistent. Persistence, yes, and having that delicate balance of knowing what you're good at and playing to your strengths and realizing, oh, you know what, objectively, this is not good and this needs to change if I'm going to grow and if I'm going to be the artist that I want to be. Right. Um, I was just going to pull up some of my tiktok comments so uh. I, I joined tiktok just to have another outlet to possibly share music with people and but you end up getting famous for being a skateboarder <laughs> ain't that how it goes <laughs> yeah my skateboard videos all have way more <laughs> likes on them but you know as an artist you have to have thick skin to take things like i i'll have kids you know, whether or not they're kids of friends or kids wherever, like teenagers, they're like, yeah, yeah, it's not very good. And what you do with that, how you deal with that, how you process it, I think will tell you everything you need to know about your longevity as an independent artist. Because my attitude is I want to be faithful and consistent so that the music I'm making in three years reaps those dividends is better. Like if I'm doing this now, imagine how good it's going to be in five years. If I keep at it, if I keep setting audacious goals and moving towards it, I'm not going to meet that goal in a year, but you keep at it, you keep pushing you don't let the negative comments get to you. You realize some people just have different tastes in music. So some of the comments that I've gotten on TikTok are, uh, cool, I don't give a shit. 
<laughs> W2F is this shit and why is it on my page? <laughs> Shaking my head, white people. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> Actual comments from my TikTok. Go see it for yourself. And you'll have one or two people that tell you that a song is awesome, that it's amazing, that it engaged them, that it spoke to them creatively. And those are great compliments. Those are things that can blow wind in your sails and keep you going. But at the end of the day, you really have to be independently motivated because no one cares. Yeah. And especially for a new artist, someone who's just getting into expressing themselves, exploring music, they don't really have a robust skill set in music production or songwriting even. Your first song is typically not a hit. It's probably going to be trash. Your first hundred songs, even first thousand songs that you write. It's, yes. un, it's uncommon that there's a hit, quote unquote, in there. Well, what the problem is, and this is across the board, we look at people that get overnight success. We Like the guy that did the, the sea shanty song on TikTok... Drop literally puts out the song. It's a viral sensation. It has hundreds of millions of streams. It's like, that's the first song that guy ever released on Spotify. And it's like, we look at that and we're like, oh, well, I, you know, I could at least get a million with my first. But it's like, no. What you don't see is that is the exception, not the rule. And uh, there's an element of paying your dues, I think. Um and it's just like, I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, the One of the first things that you said to me uh, when we got coffee that one time is you said, I want to be uh, undeniable. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, undeniable. Like that spoke to me mm. because I felt that same way. I was like, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it spoke more than just the word. Like... I knew what it meant. Like I intuitively connected with you hmm. at that point and realized, okay, we speak the same we speak the same language, and it's like, uh, you know, I respected you for that big time, uh, <clears throat> because the truth of the matter is, you're not gonna write a song, put it on TikTok, and get famous overnight. You're just not. It's not gonna happen. And if it does, I mean, you're you're one in a million. But, and good for you, but do you have the infrastructure to sustain that? It, yeah, it's like, is this a blessing or a curse? Because I know for a fact that that guy is keeping himself up all night, probably taking Adderall, trying to write the next sea shanty. <laughs> He's like, how could I ever live up to that? I've peaked. I've literally peaked on my first song. And it's... Uh, Imagine. Oh. I, I mean, everybody has problems. And money... Fame, none of the, I mean, it just, the problems change, but the, you know, everybody's got them. It's just, they're different. Mm -hmm. And it's, we tend to think that, oh my gosh, he doesn't have any problems. He's famous on TikTok, you know, whatever. It's like, I know when I was a kid, I used to be like, he's rich. What does he have to complain about? Just totally being <laughs> ignorant of everything. Um but you grow up and you realize, you know, 
everything's hard. Choose your heart. Because <laughs> it, mm. it, it's, uh, it, it's hard to stay motivated because I, I really struggle with depression like big time. And so my life is very much like up and down, up and down, up and down. And there are days when I legitimately am just thinking, I'm going to pull everything I ever did and just I don't want to ever do it again. I don't want to ever record another song. Nobody cares anyway. Um, and, and then there's mm-hmm. times where I literally think that I'm so awesome that I'm just on the cusp of being this breakout thing. And it's like, that is my life. <laughs> so, but it just, you have got to hold the tension between those highs and lows because it's the slow and steady because you're going to grind and you're going to fight and claw for every inch you get in this industry. And any amount of exposure any people that care about your music or want to invest in you by promoting you or following you or whatever, it's going to be hard earned. And yeah, that's what makes it worth it. I mean, if, if you're just anybody who doesn't earn something like that in that regard, doesn't respect it enough to have it in my opinion. It's the people, you know, and most of the time we see, oh, well, Post Malone kind of blew up overnight. Well, no, he didn't. What you didn't see is the years and years and years of him, you know, uh, getting booed off at a stage at a, you know, his local bar. And it's like... And the monetary investment. Yeah. The dude was literally living on his friend's couch in L.A. when he got his record deal. So it's so easy... And I, I actually, and this is hard for me because if you'll remember on you and I, we had about 8,000 mixes <laughs> and revisions. I was so sick of that song by the time it was done. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I hate this song. I never want to listen to this song again. <laughs> and then I shared it with some of my close friends. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I love this. This is really good. And I was like, Pfft wait until you hear it 9,000 times no but it's like we have to remember as artists that just because we're sick of something you know it'll be the first time anybody else has ever heard it and uh, you're like oh here comes the cymbal crash and oh right on cue the little effect there but it's like I actually talk myself out of marketing my music because I'm, I, I like project my tiredness of the song onto my audience when they've never even heard Mm. it it's the stupidest thing (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah like ear fatigue is real and that's one of the benefits of having someone else mix and master your song and for me like i've been on a long growth plan the last three years i've set pretty marked achievable goals, small goals. Like two years ago, my goal was I'm going to do as many recording sessions as I can. You know, I'm working a full-time job. I'm a science teacher and I'm going to have as many sessions as I can on weekends and I'm going to do it for free. No charge for one calendar year. And I'm going to use that hopefully to attract clientele that hear what I am capable of doing. And after that year, 
I think it was a week before that year was up, I started getting clients and people that wanted to pay me for my services. And so I set a goal that year and I met that goal. And then for the last year, I've had tons of paid sessions to the point where like, I almost, I almost made money last year on music. People don't realize what that means. <laughs> people don't realize how big that is because people think, he almost made money. What is that? But that's huge. That's and, huge. And last year, I wasn't <laughs> spending money on outboard gear. Like, I've got a great compressor. I've got great pre's. I've got great mics. It, it was those recording sessions, not streams. Streams last year, I made $13. <laughs> and part of that is because reporting doesn't come in, especially for iTunes, sometimes three or four months later. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I did in November, December, necessarily yet. But I made $13 off of streams. 13 And Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No, I, I see that. I'm like, yo, this is... Like, solid, this is organic streaming money. Like, for you and I that we put out, we're at, like, 872 streams right now. (laughs) 75. 875. (laughs) And I am so proud of that because I know that's organic, real people. The playlists that we're on that have maybe, like, 100 people. Yeah. Those are real playlists. Those are real people listening to songs, not some cell phone farm in a New <laughs> yeah. York apartment yeah. that's, that you're paying for. You're paying for streams, and most of the payment services are equal to the revenue that you would recoup from those streams. Yeah, a lot of the times you're taking a loss. Yeah, and it's, it's maddening that we live in this world that is so focused on looking like something you're not. The authenticity is an outrageous problem in music right now. Yeah. A ridiculous problem. Brad Jones and I were actually talking about that. Let's see how many times I can bring up Brad Jones in this podcast. <laughs> but it's like, he was telling me, he's like, dude, there are literally rappers out there that will go rent gold jewelry for a music video. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, give me that back. I got to take that back, man. I can't afford that. <laughs> it was like, you know. Yeah, like they get money out of the bank for the video and they're like, hey, I'm counting that. Yeah, it's like, hey, give me that. Give me that. <laughs> I, I, that's got to go back, man. I got to pay my rent. Um, but not seriously, like, it, it's a huge problem. So let me, let me ask you a question, though. And I guess, I guess I'll phrase this question um, in the context of, of the whole undeniable thing. So for you to become undeniable, um, it, it's, my, it's my belief that most people, whether they admit it or not, are opportunistic in nature. Mm. Whereas if they say, I'm going to be an undeniable artist... But the opportunity comes up for them to be, pursue a path of potentially being an undeniable producer or like DJ. Um, 
would you like, I guess, are you, do you consider yourself opportunistic in that way? Or do you have a set goal of, no, I'm going to be this. And if it's not this, then it doesn't fit within my parameters of being undeniable. So part of my goal for this year is hedging out those things that aren't my main emphasis. Like my emphasis for this next year is becoming the best producer I can. Mm -hmm. And I've been flexing and working those muscles creatively to try and challenge myself. Mm -hmm. Like I told you, like the one hour challenge. Mm -hmm. If I ever just have one hour where I would be doing something like grading papers or, you know, maybe I would go skateboarding, work out. Um, I'll challenge myself to create a whole song from scratch and I don't have an idea going into it. Mm-hmm. I just start piddling around to see what happens. But I think that thing that you just showed me from that idea was one of the coolest things you've done. So, Thank you. And it's... So my goal is I want to be a great producer. And I think part of that is being a songwriter... And I think part of what makes people great producers is understanding the whole ecosystem of the music industry. Right. So for the last three years that I've been releasing music as Andrew Michael Metter, and fun fact, we both had musical careers before what you see before us mm-hmm. presently. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Like, I have, I have invested so much in skills and learning, like, everything from teaching myself Photoshop and Premiere, and these last three or four years, I've been ravenous for any opportunity that I could get to develop those skills, because it meant if I could do it, I can save a whole lot of money. Yeah. I could not spend money, because I'm not sure my songwriting is good enough yet to do those things so now I'm at the point where I've got to focus on my strengths so I'm way less opportunistic now I'm like I know the lane that I want to be undeniable in Mm -hmm. and anything else is going to take away from me being a 10 in that department like if I sacrifice a 10 in production for an 8 in production and like a six in videography, that's a failure in my book. Hmm. Because I want to be hyper-focused and I want to be excellent as a producer. And it's crazy because you have to have ideas as a producer. It's really, I believe it's a spiritual gift. Because you're conjuring things, you're pulling things out of nothing. And to me, that's really exciting because of all the pieces coming together. You know, it's scheduling sessions. It is having ideas. It's judiciously editing those ideas. It's choosing what's great over what's good. So, yeah, that's what I would would say. Now, like in this year of three consistent progressive years... I'm not opportunistic. Right. I would, uh, 
I, I think that because I had the great privilege and luck of launching my music career in May of 2020. And if you remember May of 2020, <laughs> you'll remember what happened. Um, so one of the key ways that I was told and that I just kind of observed that you built followings, you started locally, you played little shows and yeah you're supposed to play local shows and then we can get a hundred people at every show then you should expand your reach yeah yeah, yes but (laughs) when 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 the c word happened um it just changed the game all of a sudden you had people collaborating with people putting out you know amazing music never leaving their house just emailing stuff back back and forth mm-hmm. uh you had people um yeah people really I, I was one of those people that was like what if i, I got on instagram and like I, I did this thing that like like i called it corn stream oh that's pretty and then i by the time that i had had the idea and got on the internet everybody and their dog had already done it i was like oh <laughs> wow that was a cool idea i guess um but i mean that's that's the thing is like I have two competing philosophies for that problem though. It's like one part of me says if everyone else is already doing it, you should probably do, be doing something else. The second competing philosophy is if everybody's doing something, you do it better. I don't know which is right. I'm not sure if there's a right answer, mm. but there's just it was an interesting time in music because it changed the rules of the game. There was no more live performances. Uh, there really still aren't. Um, and it just very much, uh, you know, with with the pandemic and just the drama of the political atmosphere, um, things were just weird. Things were weird. You had people putting out music that was politically charged, charged by what was happening in the world at large. And it just, it, it seemed to me that it changed the game forever. It's because, mm. like, once the genie's out of the bottle, you don't put it back in. Like, you can't. Um, so now that people have been forced into being creative in that way, now it's like, it, it's, it's going to be around. Maybe, you know, hopefully we're going to return back to live shows and, and part of that will come back. But it's going to be changed, I think. And so... Um, just learning to navigate and uh it's like you look at guys like john mayer who have just managed to stay relevant forever like he's he puts out a new record and it's like oh my gosh did you hear the new john mayer record it's like he's been able to follow those changes in the because and i think that Mm. for people like you and i who are who are just trying to step up and and uh and get on that level um you know it's like you got to be able to take a 2020 in stride and uh and be be on your game um and that's just like i don't know about you but i just get creatively exhausted and i just feel like i don't have anything to pour into a project Mm. um and it's just, it's, 
I think that by minimizing my exterior stress from like work and such, I am hoping that I'm going to be going into a time where I can really, uh, really use that because as independent artists, I mean, the thing that with the only weapon that we have in our arsenal is creativity. It's like, that's the only thing we're not going to outspend record labels. We're not going to out promote huh. record labels and pretty much you, you are in a sea of people all vying for the same thing, the same sliver of attention and what makes you any different from anybody else. And so I'd ask you that, like what makes you Andrew different than the 60 other thousand tracks that posted today on Spotify? Well, for the first couple of years, it was not my mixes. Because <laughs> I was mixing everything myself to mm -hmm. save money. Right. But also, it was an investment in myself to understand the process of mixing. Mm -hmm. To appreciate great mixing mm -hmm. is a gift that can't be quantified in monetary terms. Correct. Um, I would say what makes me different... You know, I think about this a lot because of my childhood and growing up and my personality. And so if you follow the Enneagram, I'm closest to a four wing three. And generally... Wait, 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 wait. Are you kidding me? No. I think that's Did what I Did we just become best friends? <laughs> I think that's what I am. I'll have to ask Elise. She's the Enneagram person. But no. Uh, continue, sorry. Yeah, so four wing three... <laughs> Basically, it boils down to my internal motivations are to be the best in the room and to be the most unique in the room. And there are all these things in my life, like p people make a big deal that I used to do nanotechnology research for NASA. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, that's a cool thing. And that at some points has fed heavily into my personality. People also think it's cool that, like, I'm a scuba diver and I go explore the ocean and see all these different animals. People think it's cool. Like, people think I'm good at skateboarding. And people... Wait, this is just a flex. This is just a... <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> this is a carefully disguised flex. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, I mean... And so there's all, there, there are all these things, and I'm, I'm trying to use that as, as someone who presents themselves authentically in social media. Someone who presents themselves in a way that I'm not afraid to speak my mind in a thoughtful way, not a calloused way, not a... Like, I'm just going to light this room on fire and see what happens <laughs> sort of way. Right. Like, someone who who cares about issues, someone that's willing to speak up about issues, and also someone who just has a, a thirst for learning, a yearning for life, and not willing to accept satisfactory as an option. Would you say, or would you agree, rather with the statement and observation that the internet 
does not reward that type of content. The internet is more bent towards things that stir up intense controversy, emotion. The internet doesn't want level-headed discussions about nuanced topics. The internet wants a hot take that's going to blow up and people are going to get upset about it. At least in my experience, that's mm -hmm. what it seems like. So people that are measured and like, let's break it down and, and let's talk about this issue. <clears throat> no. Like we want, we want somebody like yelling at the camera and like, saying something so outrageous that it just because <clears throat> we want someone to say it for us so we can just agree with them yeah and bypass the critical thinking yeah or the nuance that comes with reality yes yes that's that and it's just it's difficult because uh, along with the with the pandemic you know um it was just in a lot of ways it was just difficult to exist. Like a lot mm. of people, because there were complex issues coming up in society, and it's like, pick a side, but don't pick that side. And it, it's just, it, it became so exhausting because me, myself, I was like, I want to help, but I don't know how. I want to be active, but I don't want to be in the way. I All these things. Mm -hmm. And um, it just, I think that, when people um, when people experience such uh, just vast range of emotions and just up and down, I think people just reserve and, and kind of pull back out of self-preservation uh, at a certain point. Mm -hmm. So like I just I, I just can't and they just kind of you know I know at a certain point I was just like I just can't I just can't and I just kind of pulled into myself and uh, because, it was rough. I mean, you know, it was just, it was rough on everybody. Uh, certain people, you know, it, it just, uh, <clears throat> so back to what I was saying though, I mean, I think that your, like your Instagram is awesome because it feels very much like somebody who's real. And he's like, oh, this guy's not like archiving all his posts every six months and like rebranding himself. And it's like, you know, you kind of get... You can go see some old posts if you really <laughs> want to. Well, it's like you get the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, if you will. And mm -hmm. it's like, you, you know, it's almost like we let how certain posts uh, perform kind of lead how we post in the future and if, you know, there's a certain element that you have to do if you're trying to market yourself in any way. But at a certain point, it can become this dangerous echo chamber of just, you know, mm. the Internet's a hard place. Yo, like what I'm trying to do is actually bigger than music. Like talk about the plights of an independent artist. I've floundered back and forth on creating separate channels for each of my interests like just the scuba diving instagram just the skateboarding instagram just the music just the podcast instagram mm -hmm. and there's so much management that comes along with that oh, yeah. because i'm still like i don't have a team around me helping me manage those things so for me for my literal mental sanity i can't manage all those different accounts and upload them and keep track of that well. So I'm just hoping that everything's compounded 
people are going to see me for all of those things, you know, not boxed up into different compartments. And my ultimate goal is to make a positive impact in the world. And there are many people that will say, you know, as a musician, you shouldn't speak up about social issues because you're just going to alienate your audience. Yeah. And I think for certain people, that's true. Like for a mix engineer, what are you going to gain from that? Like, I truly believe that would be a bad business practice. But for me, as someone who's making $13 a year on streaming, <laughs> what are they going to do? Take away my $13? Okay, I'm going to speak up about things that matter to me. Like, we still need to talk about white supremacy in the church. We still need to talk about how minority citizens are not valued equally in society. We need to talk about these things because it affects real people's lives. Mm -hmm. And we need to stand up for those things. And so if it's through music, sure, I'll write a song like Immortals and put that out there. If it's through a podcast, I'll talk to my friend Quantel and DJ, talk about white supremacy in the church and how it's an issue, and try to illuminate it to white people who haven't been exposed to that, haven't thought about it in that way, haven't rendered those thoughts in a way. I want to cause people to challenge their ideas. And so I try and use the scuba diving for that, the skateboarding for that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if someone's interested in the scuba diving, cool. Maybe they'll check out Immortals. Yeah. Maybe they'll have a moment with that song that causes them... to think mm -hmm. that it's not just club music that it's not just I mean that's what I hope right yeah <laughs> and I just like on that it's I've had experiences as a listener like what you're talking about and it's like it's it's often not on the first listen mm -hmm. it's often on the 8th the 10th the 20th listen where a certain line will stand out and I'll just be like holy cow, like, that's deep, that's good, and, uh, you know, and that's another challenge that we have is just a retention of, of audience, because a lot of those things that we want to say aren't said on people listening to it on a random playlist once, and then never returning. Um, mm -hmm. so getting the, get, because part of getting your message out, I think is at least the deeper, um, I think good music, <laughs> I think good music rewards, uh, listening multiple times if it's mm. done well. I think that's a sign of a good song. And, um, I think that if you can find new things that you like about a song after hearing it many, many times, I think that's a strong song. And so when you're writing and trying to put out strong songs, it's like, what is that magic sauce that you put on it to make people come mm. back? Because I've, as a listener, and I always try to like view myself as an artist through my listener eyes because I can yep. try to objectively look back and say, okay, like, what makes me want to listen to this again? And, um, you know, sometimes 
sometimes it's not what you expect. Sometimes you put out something that you're kind of iffy on, and people are like, oh, I just love this. And you're like, well, what? Why? Like, mm. this was like a dregs upload that I just was kind of needed something to throw out there. No, I'd never do that, honestly. It's like recorded at 5. It's on SoundCloud at 5.03. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't... I actually have a policy that I don't put anything out that I, like... I'll just not put something out if it's not to my standard. But that aside, mm. um, you know, I've thought a lot. I've thought very deeply about what makes something uh, have that re... I'm not even sure if this is a word, but, like, the re-listenability. Uh, it's a word now. Mark it down in your dictionaries. Um, Repeatability, maybe? I like mine better. <laughs> I like it better, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just like, because there are certain songs that I uh, I just listen to again and again and again by artists, and I'm just like, oh, I don't understand it. Like, this guy's literally just talking about how rich he is, but like I can't stop listening to this song. So it's like, mm. is it some combination of some uh, sonic magic, or like, is it just the the way that the notes and inflections hit at the certain pitches? I I don't know. Uh, if you were to break it down all sciency, I'm sure maybe there would be something substantial. M- maybe not. Maybe we as humans just intuitively connect to music on such a deep level level we can't even measure it. It just mm. kind of is like this spiritual experience. I don't know. I tend to think that. Um, which, you know, you think about the timeless songs of our generation. The songs that, against all odds, just... We sing for decades, and it's like you look back. It's like why do we why do we even like this Bohemian Rhapsody song? Like this is weird. Like if you objectively look at Bohemian Rhapsody, it's crazy. It's a bold vision. Is it? <laughs> is it though? I mean, it's it's objectively awesome, but it's hard for me, as somebody born in the early '90s. To not be like, oh, well, my dad thought this was awesome. Everybody's told me this is awesome my whole life, so I guess it's awesome. But it's like, think about somebody putting out Bohemian Rhapsody in 2021. Mm-hmm. Would we be like, this is a visionary? Or would be like, this is... Pff, this belongs on SoundCloud. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's... But you get what I'm saying? It's timeless. Yeah. It's... Everybody knows some part of Bohemian Rhapsody. I think what makes it timeless is there's an element of seriousness in the lyrical content, but it's also a little fun and silly, like with the operatic singing. And it sounds incredible, like from a mixing and mastering It was like seven minutes long, something crazy like that. It's long, it's linear. It's telling a story. But, yeah, there's, there's like, there's, you know, you're right. It's linear. It's like it, it never looks back. Once it's done, it's done. And it's moving on to the, you know, guitar solo, the, the operatic call and response. Mm-hmm. Um, I legitimately feel like the only song that I've been exposed to through, like, popular media cultures that comes close to that is After Hours by The Weeknd. Because it's a linear type of song. 
it, the song or the album? The song. The song After Hours. Because mm. there are motifs that are played upon. But it's like a five and a half minute song. The week. Oh my gosh, we could talk about The weekend for at least seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it, The weekend. The weekend. I'm confused by The weekend. Just being 100% honest. The weekend is just this dude that's just, honestly, he just, he just, like, exudes sex appeal. And... I was not expecting you to no. say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I've talked to so... Yeah, you can quote me on that. No, um, he, I've talked to so many people... Who just like the weekend just makes sexy music, like it's and you break it down. He's like he's literally talking about like uh, just I don't even know how to say it, but we all know what the weekend songs are about. Um, you know he, he has this line in one where he's like I'm on that stuff where I can't smell, so like forget your perfume or something, but it's like the dude. Is, but he's obviously doing something right. But it's like, he. I feel like you're bagging on the weekend right now, and I don't appreciate it. I wouldn't dare bag on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but he like, he just. I think part of the weekend's appeal is he's so confident in the way that he conveys these these songs. Whereas you're just like, if you were unsure about something like. You sure after you hear the weekend talk like mm. he's just he conveys confidence through his music and I think people are attracted to confidence big time because so many people are not confident and when they see somebody who's truly confident they're like, "Oh, I don't know if he's right, but I just I believe him." <laughs> but the the halftime show, did you watch the halftime show? No, I haven't seen it. So essentially the weekend um did a kind of like a he's been doing this visual thing where he releases these videos on the after hours project and and they're all kind of connected telling a story and so he's just he's seen he's the most popular artist in the world right now on several metrics um but you know an interesting thing that i found out um kind of in the space of the weekend, but specifically about the halftime show is nobody gets paid for the halftime show. It's just, they get a budget and they're like, go to town. But the weekend, it's like, you look at Maroon 5, you look at the weekend, anybody who's played the Super Bowl, their sales like skyrocket mm-hmm. 500% after. Um, so I pretty much think whether the weekend is making you angry with his uh, visual stuff or his lyrics, or you're like, oh, this is awesome, he's eliciting a strong reaction either way. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something. I'm not sure if independent artists, uh, I mean, that's the thing is like, there's the whole motif of like selling your soul to, to be successful. And to an extent, it kind of feels like, uh, I don't know, sometimes it feels inevitable that it's like you have to kind of decide what, what you stand for as an artist. 
because of the opportunity ever does come where you're faced with how far am I willing to go before you know, for success or clout or visibility as an independent artist mm-hmm. before I start saying no. Like that that goes against my code. I don't know, what would you say to that? I would say the the music industry is like the ocean. If you've ever truly been in the ocean, you understand how absolutely overwhelmed you are. You are powerless. If the ocean wants to toss you around, it's going to toss you around. It simply has the mass to do it. Just like the music industry. If you don't know who you are, I think you can let them mold you into anything they want you to be for the sake of sales. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, when I became a Christian in college, I told God, I'm never going to whore myself out for money. Mm -hmm. And so I personally want to stand for something. I want to stand up for what I consider to be the right things. Mm -hmm. And I also want to stand up for others. Um, And I think you have to know who you are. Right. Not like to a T, because you're always evolving Mm -hmm. and changing. You're always like this chaotic mix of things, but there's a center Mm -hmm. to you. And you're choosing whether or not to expand in one direction or the other at any given moment. Right. It's like I've I've got friends that have been signed to labels that have been in the music industry, and there's a persona. You create a persona as an artist because the labels have deemed, and historically it's accurate, that there are certain values, certain market aesthetics that come along with being a wildly popular artist. There's certain things you have to do. And like what you said about, um, you didn't necessarily say it like this, but with like clickbait and with the internet prioritizing, fumigating, you know, angry speech outrageous sort of things, outlandish news articles. There's a point where you have to do those things. You have to do things that are controversial because it's good for your brand. Right. Whether you truly believe it or not is irrelevant. Right. And so at the end of the day, like, I enjoy being able to go to sleep, being proud of what I've done in a day. It's priceless. It's um, it's something that money and fame can't. It truly cannot uh, get you that, and that's kind of the thing I think that um, believers have an advantage because I think intuitively we know that the peace that comes with acting in a in a righteous manner and you know defending those uh you know people that need help and lifting people up and uh these are the things that uh truly have value 
And I think that, you know, because I, I agree with you completely. Um, you know, when I was, this is kind of a little rabbit trail, but, you know, when I was, I was talking about how poor I was when I first got married. Mm-hmm. You know, I had people that would step into my life at pivotal points and help me. Like, they were literally the difference between me and and not making it. Mm. Um you know, being on the street, you know, going hungry, like there were people that stepped in. And so I told myself and I, I kind of talked with God and I was like, God, like, I know that I'm a nobody right now and I, I don't have anything. I literally have nothing, but, um, I want to commit myself to building something and, and put me in the position of these people that have helped me so that I can do the same thing for people that need help. Um, mm. And I've always been motivated by being able um, able to help people because I'm always willing. Just, you know, in the past I wasn't able. And I think that sometimes people can get the cart before the horse um, you you get the you get the dream before the means, if you will, and uh, while the dream is important, mm-hmm. uh, the means is the engine that 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 kind of drives it, and so you can have as good a heart as any, um, but if you don't have the means to help people in the way that you want to help them, you know, <clears throat> good intentions and prayers are nice, but mm-hmm. you know. What really saved me um, and my family when we were in those dire situations was people who had the means, um, praying for us and and helping us in a in a in a way, um, and so that's really what's kind of motivated me in a major way. Um, you know, I'm kind of like the entrepreneurial type. And, um, you know, I really, um, it's, and it's hard to know, like, I don't agree when people go, I would never do this or, oh, I couldn't, these people did this. I would never do that. It's like, you don't know Mm, what you really have to do is pray that you have the discernment and wisdom that if you were ever put in that situation, that you would make the right call. Because it's like in church, people be like, those stupid Israelites, I would never have done that. It's like, <laughs> please, like, you're crying that your video's buffering. Like, you think that you're going to walk 40 years in the desert and not complain? But, um... Yo, you didn't have to come at me that hard. <laughs> no. Dang. Oh, shots fired. But... You know, like I said, it's kind of a rabbit trail, but like I agree with you. Like, I want my success to be other people's success, is what it comes down to. And Boom. I only, like, one of the main reasons I want to get a step up higher is so that I can help the guy that's on the step below me. Because people have done that for me. And, um, you know, it's kind of like you, you can't do anything. Like, you can help people, but then it's up to them. You know, all you can give people is opportunity. At the end of the day, they have to they have to walk through the door. You can open the door, but you, you can't, you know, 
you can't force them to walk through it. Mm-hmm. And so, which is just a fancier way of saying you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. <laughs> but, you know, it is important to me. And I know that it's important to you. Um, and I, I just think that as a, because we're, we, we are, we're, we're a community of people, you know, smaller artists, you know, varying levels of success and, and uh, exposure um, but at the end of the day, it's like, we do have to have each other's backs. And, and just, if I were to say anything, um, I would just say it's important to, um, to just support one another. And it's, it's like, and, and there's a difference. There's a difference between the people that support you and the people that are like, yeah, sure. I'll follow you. And whatever but I'm never gonna comment on any like you know it's kind of stupid but we live in a digital goods kind of society where it's like those things are important for the algorithm Mm -hmm. and it's like you know yeah I like I double tapped your your post it's like oh cool well um that didn't really do anything, but thank you. Can we talk about how absolutely silly it is that now bookmarking a post is the super like? Is that true? Yes. I saw him. I saw bookmarking and then sharing, then commenting, and then liking or hearting. You, do you know how many bookmarks I have on my Instagram? One. And I'm pretty sure it's my own post. <laughs> Right, it's got to be exceptional. Like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I'm on Instagram for animals and skateboarding. Like to consume? <laughs> like, the rush that I get from seeing a bird picture that's not endemic to the United States is so great. Like, the rush? The rush, the feeling of seeing an Indian flycatcher. Ah! (laughs) Yo, it just pops up on your phone. And then you're just inundated by the beauty and the drama of this organism. I feel the exact same way when I see a 12-year-old with an acoustic guitar sitting on their bed. (laughs) Like... I, th- and this is one that you have a, you have a benefit when you have the varied Instagram. I get so many because like this guy's a musician. Obviously, all he wants to consume is music content. So <laughs> I get this, and there's this, there's like this thirteen year old kid that keeps coming up, and he's got like he sponsors his post or his dad does or something. So it's like, I'm scrolling through my stories, and it's like there's this freaking kid doing bad cover versions of songs like leave me alone and there's it's like i kid you not it's 95 percent bad it's 95 percent just not not good and so i don't get birds or skateboarding i get that so i'm thinking about taking the andrew approach to instagram and varying my interest a little bit. I fight the algorithm super hard because the algorithm is getting smarter. It's seeing like how much you watch and then it's pivoting 
videos that you watch more into your like for you and discover page like it's it's watching every single thing that you do i made the mistake of like watching a haircutting video for too long mm -hmm. and it's like oh this guy loves haircuts let's pump him full of barber instagram pages yeah not gonna lie it's pretty cool like it it when you're seeing like that beard get edged and like it anyway yeah so it's it's barbers it's bad covers and occasionally i'll get a workout thing like it's some mm. dude pumping iron it's like boost your testosterone with you know shred the vitamin or whatever it's like it's always <laughs> trying to sell me something and but you know i'm just like you know what this is okay um, I kind of honestly, like if, if I'm being 100% honest, if I ever got to a, like, if I got to a point, cause Instagram only allows you to follow like what, 7,500 people who in the world, I don't know. Oh, I don't even know that. I, I think that's the limit. So see, <laughs> cause what people do is they'll actually like follow a bunch of people, hope that they get a follow back and then they'll unfollow all the like people oh, yeah. that don't. So you go like, that dude's got 3,000 followers. Oh, but he's following 5,000. Oof. But, like, it's my goal look. is, like, I want to be, I want to follow, like, 100 people. Like, when he, <laughs> right now, right now, in, in the social marketplace of Instagram, uh, I have to, like, uh... I almost have to like leverage my I follow you so don't unfollow me thing but um you know I feel like once you get to a certain point where people are like oh this guy's a musician I didn't know <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh okay well you can kind of pare down because mm -hmm. honestly I get I, this is gonna sound horrible but there's so many people that I follow that I just I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Not even kidding. But I'm like, well, they follow me, so crap. I guess I got to put up with it. <laughs> I don't feel bad at all about unfollowing someone. Really? It's not like a personal thing. It's just like... Okay, so I've been... Per I like... <sighs> I'm going to share... I'm going to give you a little secret. Give you Please, yes. teach me. No, it's not a teaching moment. <laughs> it, it's a uncovering my shame moment. Um, so I have one of those apps that tells you, like, who's following you, you know, who you're following that's not following Oh, you Josh. No, no, no. Why I told, did I you told do you. this to yourself? I told you. Why? So, <laughs> I used to get on it and be like... <gasps> gosh it's like i would develop these like i would never interact with them but i'd be like oh there's a there's a you know leonard underscore johnson oh, i see his stuff and then it'd be like leonard underscore johnson just unfollowed you and i'd be like leonard i thought what we had was special like no joke, like, I'm getting legitimately upset that this guy that I've never <laughs> spoken to, but we, like, mutually followed each other for six months. It's like, he just, just fell off. I was like, dude, now I have oh, to man. unfollow you. <laughs> Your content game has just gotten weak over the last few months, Josh, and... <laughs> Leonard's like, oh, man, I got... It. But ultimately, 
I don't know. I mean... Yo, I think as artists, that type of stuff is awful for your emotional health. Yeah, no, for it sure. It truly is. Like, that is just too much. I should delete the app. <laughs> it, but, you know, it, it's not all bad. I can't name a single redeeming quality at this moment, but um, I'm sure there's something good about it. it it's just, it, it makes me, I don't know about you, but I've literally, I've spent time like creating a post and then I actually talk myself out of it before I post. I'm like, this oh, yeah. is stupid. I'm ditching this. Oh yeah. Because it feels so disingenuous to who I am. And it's like, you're just doing this because it's a trend or, you know, you think it's like, I just, I cannot stand, um, just not being like, I, I just hate those people. I don't hate the people, but I hate it when people are just, they're so obviously just faking it to try to get internet clout. And it's just like, Oh man, and then it I that flashes in my mind when I go to post something, and it's like, eh. that's why I post once every two months. It's like, eh. I don't know. I I talked to somebody like a social media manager, and honestly, I got so in my head about what I posted that I just stopped posting, mm. and I don't think that's good. I don't, because here I am playing this mental game in my mind, at the, and it's like, I'm acting like I've got some following that's going to like, oh, look at this. It's like, but what it comes down to is nobody really cares that much. If I posted a blurry selfie, nobody's going to give a crap. People are probably just, the same people that like everything I did be like, oh, blurry selfie. <laughs> like... I think in I think one of my weaknesses is I take myself too seriously. So I'm going to post on Instagram more. <laughs> I think there's like one only you can know that about yourself, but two, I think there are healthy manifestations and unhealthy manifestations of the same behavior. Mm, explain as like for me i try and work on my internal attitude like why am i posting something like oh especially during last summer with the protests mm. and the racial injustice mm -hmm. it was like it was ugly how many people were just trying to like ride the wave and use that to build their platform right and There's a way to there's a way to do it without being self-serving. Yes. That's a fun that's that is a difficult line to walk in my opinion. Um Oh, it is. It's a tightrope. Because it it's so and not only do you have to worry about your internal attitude, you also have to consider uh, how easy is this, what I'm putting out, how easy is it to misconstrue? Mm. 
how how clear am I being? Because unfortunately, we yep. no longer live in a world where we're just responsible for what we say. We're also, whether we like it or not, to a certain extent, responsible for like almost leading people with like, like I don't believe I'm a big free speech person. I I believe that ultimately people have to take things how they're going to take them. But I do believe that there's a responsibility on the person sharing and saying things to make sure that they're not leading or being intentionally... To communicate clearly. Right, right. Because if you're like, well, you don't want to like be that person that like gaslights people. It's like, well, I didn't say that. When it's like, well, you that could easily be taken from what you said, though. Well, I didn't say that, though. It's like, I've talked to mm-hmm. so many people that are like that. And I just refuse to speak with them. Uh, once I determined that about a person, I was like, oh, I'm done with you. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that came across harsh, but no, I'm done. On, on, at minimum, an unfollow is required. <laughs> yes, yes. Legally. Legally, you're required to unfollow that person. But, Imagine digital restraining orders oh. in court. You are not allowed to follow your exes. Isn't that what blocking is, though? Like, not legally. But... It is, but it's not... I don't know that there's a legal precedent for it. Hi. Oh, hi. What? Hello. Are you we're... doing a podcast? Yeah. Oh. Hey, stick around. I thought you were just hey. chatting. You're chatting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's happening over there. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. What are you guys talking about? We're talking about the plights of an independent artist. The plight of the independent artist. That sounds like a Flight of the Concords episode <laughs> or something. The plight of the independent Harry Potter and the plight of the independent <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there's the mascot. Hey, what's up, babe? Hi. This is yeah. the first time you've been on my podcast. Well, there you go. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey, tell us. Let me move the mic your way. What is it like being married to an independent artist? Um, uh, fantastic. I was going to say something like challenging during these difficult times with the big music industry is, you know, trying to squash the independent artists. And then you've got, you know, the streaming platforms. (laughs) Daisy agrees as well. Our cat thinks so as well. So, but you better not embarrass me. <laughs> Don't you? We went over talking points. Stick to the script. Oh right. Oh, let me get out my notes. I mean, this has been the most fantastic aspect of our marriage. Like, is... what is it like being married to a musical genius? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to respond. I don't know. Let's get my wife on. (laughs) She can answer that question. There we go. No, how about when, like, there, like, recently, Gummy was just played on the radio. It was. That was very exciting for you. Yes. And then the next day, I'm emotionally depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Even though this goal that I have wanted to attain for years and years and years and years. Finally happened. It finally happened. Yep. And so one of the things we were talking about was how you're... <laughs> I'll leave now and I'll go to keep Daisy distracted. How okay. about that? All right. All right. All right. I love you. I love you, babe. 
Bye, Josh. See you. Bye. Come on, Daisy. Let's go. Oh, she's on I think I'm just going to leave that in. That was great. No, but I'll finish my statement. You know, your mental dwelling has so much power over your reality. And it can be hard as an independent artist to constantly move the finish line and never cross it and experience the satisfaction of your goals. Huh. And so like, yeah, the next day I was sad because I was like, after Gummy was on the radio, which, okay, like I went downstairs and told Tiffany, like, I didn't hear it. Someone told me it was on the radio. And I was like, of all the songs, Gummy was on the radio. <laughs> like the silly song that I made in like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. put, had That's... some friends on it. Like D Derek. Isn't that Liz how it goes? Awesome. Dude, it's always the like stupidest stuff. Yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> do you have any of those promotional gummies left? Uh, I don't. We use them all for the video. <sighs> okay. I had this giant sour gummy worm that was pretty great. I, I saw the video. <laughs> <laughs> I love gummies. I, I, I love gummies. But I understand what you're saying. Um, it's almost... It, and it, it gets into like deep philosophy of like human happiness and the human condition. And it's like, it's like oh, this goal, this goal. Oh, I got it. Oh, I'm sad now. It's like, what? Why? But it's like, it, we're, con we're never... I don't think we're ever satisfied. And oh, I know. Oh, I am never satisfied. I, I'm not. And it's like a, something happens and I'm immediately like, all right, what's next? And I hate that about myself because I feel like I can never just truly be content because I'm always chasing the next goal marker. And mm -hmm. uh, I think there's got to be a balance between that because you obviously have to stay motivated and keep progressing and pushing, but you have to balance that with being content where you are. Because I kid you not, dude, like every time I'm in between songs, I think about giving up constantly. <laughs> no joke. Like No, I'm I, laughing because it's so relatable to me. I'm I'm just like I'm constantly analyzing, overanalyzing. I'm like, all right, like I had this conversation with Elise, and um, I was just like, you know, I've sold my business that provided me the kind of income that I I had the what you do it call it economic mobility, mm -hmm. and so I'm gonna be in a position where I don't have I have to be more careful with my budget and I just worry because mm -hmm. we've talked about this before but it's just like there's only so much investment you can justify when nothing is happening consistently how many years are you gonna be in the red before you either cut your losses or I mean, I guess that's your only option. For the average business, like the average LLC. So I have an LLC, Christmas Bingo Music, that I put all my creative stuff under. Mm -hmm. And the average is five years that you can 
like legitimately report a loss before the IRS starts to get fishy uh -huh. with you. Yeah. And like five years, if you're starting from scratch as an artist, most people are not going to make that. I mean, we had a conversation about that though with with us moving and mm -hmm. just so many life changes it's like i'm not gonna magically become an excellent vocal producer i'm not gonna magically learn how to master my songs i'm not gonna put out songs that are markedly below the quality that i've been putting out Mm -hmm. And so I'm in this, I'm kind of in this position where it's, I feel like I've got to, I like, I need a sign is <laughs> essential. I need a sign that I, you know, because there's a difference between perseverance and just being foolish. Um, because honestly, it's like, you know, I've, I've, I've got the next I've got the next release, um, which is a cover, you've heard it, the cover of Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. um, comes out March 26th. <laughs> Subtle plug. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's my first song that I'm dropping uh, through a label. And so it, there's an opportunity there that hasn't been there before for me. Yeah. Um, I actually got the label connection through Airmo. So he actually pitched the song to the record label. For the record, Ermo is an incredible French producer. He worked on You and I with us. Great guy. Even better musician and producer. Oh, he's... He's phenomenal. He just dropped an EP uh, yeah. called Rupture. I don't know, have you heard it? Yeah. Dude. Dude, Make Me Break... Oh my gosh. ...is so good. I yeah. can't stop listening to it. Yeah, I man, know. I know. It's well. Did I tell you the story about how Hallelujah got recorded? No. Okay, just real quick. This is this is great. This is great. <laughs> so, Airmo found me on Submit Hub. We haven't even talked about Submit Hub, <laughs> yo. Okay, all right. <laughs> found me on Submit Hub, and despite your feelings about Submit Hub, it, it's good. <laughs> Anyway. Good? Okay. No, 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 no. When human civilization <laughs> burns to the ground, will Submit Hub stay or will it be burned up? Listen, Submit Hub, I'm not doing this with you right now. Aramo found me with Submit Hub and he actually DM'd me on Instagram. And he's like, hey, bro, I heard your song, whatever it was. Uh, I think it was Helen Back, actually. And he's like, so. Um, and he's, he's French, so, uh, English is not his first language. So he was like, uh, he was DMing me on Instagram and he was like, Hey bro, so I'm signed to this label and I really liked your song and you know, I do, you know, I do offer vocal mixing and production and things. I'm about to drop an EP in February of next year. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, okay. I don't You're know. like, I'm totally getting scammed right now. Yeah, at first. 
absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I just keep talking to him thinking, oh, this guy. And then so he's like, hey, bro, so um, I've got, I'm, I'm actually about to graduate from sound engineer school. I'm in my last semester and I have a project. And so I need, he like sent me the parameters of the project. He says, uh, we have to pick a song off this list of the hundred most influential songs. Mm. And then we have to produce like a song from it, like a cover song and make it our own. And so would you be willing to pick a song off this list and, and record vocals for it? I was like, sure. I mean, I, I, that sounds cool. He's like, you can have the recording when I'm done if you want it. And I was like, heck yeah. So um, I picked Hallelujah uh, by Leonard Cohen, made popular by Jeff Buckley. And, uh, you know, I, I just recorded some vocals in like 15 minutes. I was like, emailed them off to him. And he's like, oh, these are good. These are good. Um, and I think that maybe I sent one edit. Um and I had no idea what to expect. I mean, you, you see people, mm. you interact with people all the time. They all think they're good. Varying levels of skill. <laughs> and so he sends it back to me like a day later. And he's like, hey, bro. So I produced this track because I just used some cheap karaoke, uh, mm. you know, and I recorded my vocals. So he got the stems, ditched the karaoke track, and then produced around my vocals he sends me like this amazing track and it's like the production is stellar the vocal production is awesome and i'm just like dude like like literally this dude is so good he took out of the like the four recordings that i sent him of just the different takes and the harmonies he actually spliced it up in his daw and created like these cool like effects on the chorus, like the sand. It he like sampled my voice mm -hmm. and created these amazing harmonies and like intricate melody ideas on the and all it puts it all in the background, and my jaw literally drops when I hear it. Cause here I'm thinking this guy's like, you know, just your typical internet. Oh, I produce. You know, just uh, I produce and. I do this, and I mix, and I master, and I'm like, okay, dude is a legitimate genius. And so that was the beginning mm. of our friendship and kind of us working together. And, uh, man, he started dropping. So he had actually worked on a song where he did a remix. Of, he worked on a remix of One Republic's Counting Stars. And he released it, they released it through a, a YouTube channel called Trap Nation. And holy cow, it got like 22 million views. Or more. I mean, it's mm -hmm. some exorbitant number. And, uh, you know, back to kind of the independent artist thing, he told me, he's like, guess how much money I made off of that? It's like, I have no idea. It's like zero dollars. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, no, it's I guess like... It was a cover? No, because uh, the label that he released it through just absolutely screwed him over. And oh. so that's another issue that we face that I found, uh, luckily not through my own yeah. findings, but it's like we don't know. Like 
everything is new as you're entering new stratospheres. And it's like, mm-hmm. we don't know how to negotiate contracts. We don't know what's a good deal. We don't know what this typical procedure is. But anyway, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, we, he did several things for me, including working on you and I. I think his work on you and I was stellar. I mean, I, I really think that uh, bringing in his creative mind really elevated the track. And I was super happy to work with him. Um, he's just, he, you know, like I said, he just released that EP and it's absolutely killing it. Like, it's killing it. And uh, he's an awesome dude. And I, I wish him all the the happiness and success. Um, but yeah, so that's a little side trail into the story behind the, the next release. But said all that to say, you know it was kind of like a freak happening that that song even exists. Mm-hmm. And I just think that there's something special about it. It got picked up by the label immediately. Um, and I just, you know, I don't know. Maybe it'll open some doors. I'm hoping that it does. I'm hoping that it's it's like we were talking about earlier. I'm hoping it's that, that wind that kind of blows the sail and gets the boat a little bit further towards the goal. Um, but yeah. Yeah, there are definitely, like with the contract side of that thing, there are definitely gatekeepers that can make or break you as an independent artist. Like for me, part of what drives me is like getting a no or being turned down. So like part of the undeniable aspect is I want to show these people, even if I'm not good enough now, I can grow and I can expand my horizons to the point where I do get that acknowledgement. Right. Like, there are so many local gatekeepers in Chattanooga of simply media that I have not pressed through because either they won't return my emails or my messages or they've told me no. They haven't told me, you know, quote, you're not good enough. But it is really tough sending out five emails and not getting any responses back. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's a small amount. Yeah. I mean, I, I usually send out like 34 to 40 emails to promo a song on blogs, you know, other arenas and you don't hear back right so what do you do with that forget about it (laughs) forget about it yeah like i said playing the long game okay so maybe the answer is not to give up the answer is to keep pushing like part of my life plan is to increase the amount of sleep that i get every night You'd hate Gary Vee. So I can like (laughs) wean myself off of caffeine so I can have a long enjoyable life hmm so there's that aspect of it, but also... Didn't you just down a Celsius? <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> well, like, just to quickly touch on the... Uh, the I had an interesting conversation with another independent artist who's way more successful than you and I. Um both the song and uh, you and, and myself and, and you. Um, so they've got like 900 streams. 
Is that what you're saying? The margin's a little bit larger. <laughs> um, so I actually got the opportunity to uh, have a Zoom call with, uh, her name is Emily. And so she's actually the, the female vocals on that song, I Love You Baby, that went crazy last summer. Mm-hmm. Like half a billion streams. So I, t- I got, you know, I got to talk with her about that a little bit. And what I found that was interesting is the song, if you look at the license, like, you know, you, you look at the, the data for the song, like who who produced it, who licensed it, who distributed it, whatever. So it, it was distributed by Capital. But what she did was she did not sign, like, a, an artist record, uh, record deal with Capital. She simply licensed the rights to that song, and it's my opinion that with the oversaturation of the market, we are trending more towards a reality where artists don't bind themselves to one record label. They kind of it, it's mm. almost like it becomes more competitive between the labels, and you license out the rights to specific groups and labels for uh to essentially leverage better deals mm-hmm. um because if you if you're just like well i'm josh and i'm a capital guy everything i do is capital well then there's not really incentive for the label to like you know what we feel like we feel like bumping him up a percent or something mm-hmm. but it, it you know if you're an independent artist that has clout and you know has something to bring to the table most people approach record labels. They're like, oh, they don't have much to give. They're going to be taking, and, and you know, they pay for that later on. But this girl was a completely independent artist with half a billion streams, and, she, you know, she doesn't have anybody telling her what, she, what kind of music she can put out, what kind of image she has to push. Mm. And it's like, to me, that's the future. <sighs> to me, that is the future. And if... if that's something that people like you and I should uh, should push for. That is, that is the first glimpse into the materializing future of the music industry that I've heard in like five years. I rack my brain trying to think about what's going to be next for artists and musicians. Like, is streaming going to go away? What's a, what's a new type of consumption going to be? And that is the first logical, reasonable, and comprehensible, like, distilled future that I've heard. You're welcome. So that's very exciting (laughs) to hear. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, like, it kind of made sense all around to me. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Because it kind of balances the playing field. It's not just artists like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. It's um, because <laughs> now now that we have the ability to compete, we can't compete with the labels on promotion and million-dollar music videos and such, but you can make a freaking good song in Logic Pro. And you can email that to your buddy in Nashville and get a pretty freaking good master. And you can email your vocal stems to a buddy in California and get pretty good freaking vocal production. 
and those are all random locations. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm getting at is, you know, no longer is there a barrier to entry for sounding good. And that's dangerous to the record labels. Yeah. But it's like the volume. Yeah. The volume of songs that are being uploaded. So now, like I was saying with, you know, the whole marketing suite, it's empowering to independent artists, but it's also just empowering the noise yeah. of artists. Like so many people, they look at your followers on Instagram and they think, uh, he's not that good. If he was good, he would have 10,000 subscribers to his account and he would have a business account on Instagram. You don't have a business account? No, because I'm not going to pay for followers. What? At at 10,000, you unlock certain business profile attributes. Is your profile an artist profile? No, I have a business. Like, my Instagram is business. Okay. What are you talking about then? But at 10,000 followers, you unlock the ability to, like, swipe up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, that's what a lot of people do. They just pay to get past 10000 then they have that functionality. Yeah, but if nobody cares about you and you've just got bot followers, like, you can't leverage that. To, like, that's... Right. <laughs> that's worthless. Correct. But for whatever reason, there are a lot of people that value that and think that's success. Because it feels like an accomplishment... Like, any time an accomplishment is like, well, I can just pay to get that. I'll just I'll just skip all this hard stuff and pay. It's like you're not really gaining what you think you're gaining, though. I mean, it looks cool, but like, like I was talking about earlier, approximately seven seconds of, like, looking in your profile, like, the proof is always in the pudding. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go to this guy. I'm going to quickly follow this guy's Spotify link. Oh, he has 12 monthly listeners. But somehow he has 12,000 Instagram followers. Hmm. Detective Josh. Uh, I'll sniff you out on Instagram. (laughs) How long have we been doing this? Who's to say? I honestly, my main goal was just to be the longest podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We, We might be there. I don't know why I'm looking at it. It's like, I don't know what time we started. So it's like, oh, yeah, it's that number. All right. So let's go. Let's go. Final remarks. I'll start and then you can finish since you're the guest. (laughs) If you are an artist who's trying to figure out if music is something that you want to do, and you are just concussed by the amount of money that it takes that you perceive to be successful, I would ask you to consider the value of the impact of one person's life versus a million people's lives. And if that one person isn't valuable to you, 
then maybe it's not worth investing thousands of dollars into gear. Maybe it's not worth the sacrifice that you would need to maintain to be, quote, successful in music. You have to have tough skin. You have to know what you want. And you need good people around you. And I want you to know that I love you. And even as a new artist, you need to be nurtured. You need to be mentored. You need to grow. You need to challenge yourself. You need to not just accept mediocre. Push for your best. And realize that this is a growth game. No one writes a hit song in their first song. You have to actually spend hours doing it to get better. And I would never want you to just pay for instant success. I want you to earn it. Uh, it's hard to follow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for any aspiring artist out there, whether you're thinking about starting or you've just started, um, because those are honestly only the people that I could speak to at this point. But um, I would say it it's really important before you... It's like don't get the cart before the horse. Um, figure out who you are. Figure out what you want to say to an extent. Uh, like Andrew said earlier, it, it's part of it is going to be ever-changing and, and you're constantly going to be growing... But, um, you know, if you, if you start doing the things before you have the answers to those questions, you're going to waste a lot of money and spend a lot of resources and time learning that the hard way. Take it from somebody who scrapped their entire first year of work because, uh, honestly, it, it, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted until I had... You know, I, I, if I could go back, I wish that, obviously, I, I don't regret anything, but if I could go back and give myself some advice, I'd say, before you sink money into equipment and producers and, and you're trying to get, like, you're trying to feel like an artist, spend some time reflecting on what you want. And I think at the end of the day, um, whether you're recording on your iPhone or your friend's studio, or you're renting a $2,000 a day place in Atlanta. Um, ultimately, it comes down to, uh, to, to what you're saying and, and the music. And so I think that, um, you know, frame things appropriately. Uh, you know, make sure the things that are important uh, are prioritized. And uh, just be authentic. Don't take yourself too seriously. And that's pretty much the best advice I think anybody can, can give in this industry. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people faking it. And we need less of those people and more, uh, more of the people that are okay accepting their flaws and okay not being the next Justin Bieber.
We need people being themselves. And I think that there's a lot more space for people than we even realize at this point. And that's it. Your success does not take away from my success. That's right. That's right. It's, um, you know, there's going to be highs and lows for everybody. Uh, but it's like, you know, there's, there's enough people in the world. There's enough ears in the world. And uh, if what I'm doing is truly excellent and what you're doing is truly excellent, there's room for both. Mm. Great. Thanks, Josh. Anytime.